The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. And I will remind us that this commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. To acknowledge the authority of a person that is sent by God is fulfill what he says. Christ said, if you love me, fulfill my commandments, keep my commandments. His messengers are those who represent him and his commandments. As it relates to fulfilling the required commandments to be vigilant over the word of God within your heart, as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart? To collaborate with is to be vigilant over the word that we have concealed in our heart in order to provide God with legitimate grounds to look over and be vigilant over the word we have put into our heart. God is vigilant in the temple of our body. He's not vigilant somewhere independent, uh, independently or abstractly in some way. <clears throat> it's his house. Our body is his house. And he places his word into his house. He magnifies this word above all his names in this person. And this person, he magnifies his word above all his names, and God sees this, and he is vigilant. He is vigilant when we are vigilant over the word that we are listening to and putting into our heart. We stopped to study the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, died by the law for the law. That is... We came out from under the guard of the law so that in the new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected so that in this way we can obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of life so that we can provide God with the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the law, but by the righteousness of faith, similar to how he gave this promise to Abraham or his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. Therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated one. God's faith is, comes from hearing the word of God. Faith is from hearing the word of God. And so God's faith in our heart is the general. This is the one that leads the army of the Lord. This is God's name 
the Lord of hosts, and he leads God's armies as the Lord of hosts so that he can join the battle for our bodies in order to adopt them by the redemption of Christ upon the condition that our faith will be the warrior that waits and trembles as soon as he hears God's words, he immediately fulfills them and he doesn't uh, think, uh, well, what will happen after uh, I receive this word? I may lose something. Well, that is the thing. When we receive the word of God, we pay a price. We lose something. Because the word of God, every time, separates us from something. It offers us something uh, different, so we need to leave something, something that is uh, perishable and is valuable in the in our own eyes, but is not valuable for the spirit. And so God says, this is your destruction. You need to move away from it. And so receiving the word of God is always leaving something separate from something, die for something. Therefore, by what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of God rules within our heart, which identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy? And so it identifies us, and we need to understand that we, by the peace that's in us, can determine whether we're children of God or not. To examine your heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker. This characterizes us as the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. To be a peacemaker, you need to continuously lose something. Because to have peace, a husband with wife, wife with husband, they always need to lose something. They always need to compromise. They need to uh, reject their personal interests for the sake of the other one. And we in the church are called to do that same thing with our neighbors, to uh, re- reject our own interests for the benefit of the interests of the neighbor, not looking for our own benefit for the, but the benefit of the other. But when a person <clears throat> in fellowship with one another uh, is not looking for the benefit of the other but for himself, then this is a, a dangerous tendency. <clears throat> in a particular format, we already looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God. And we stop to study the seventh sign. And this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. Holy is something that separates us from something else. Selective is holy. If God truly loved everyone in general, He would not be holy. He would not be holy, and His love would not be selective. It would have been tolerant. Just as they teach, we need to be tolerant. We need... And so we need to uh, to consider the weaknesses of, of our, our brother is one thing, and to le- uh, legitimize a sin is a different thing. 
But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. Here it's talking about <clears throat> us being in one body, that is with those saints that are a part of the body of Christ. Those that are within Jesus Christ. If you are the body of Christ, then you are in Jesus Christ. Because the church is the body of Christ, he's the head. How do you place yourself into Jesus Christ? You place yourself in the church that is in accordance to the good wife, where we can find grace, we can obtain grace from the Lord. Not in any service can you obtain grace because you need to understand that grace is obtained through the righteousness of the heart. And if in the heart, in the church, they are not teaching how to uh, invest this, the silver of salvation so we can receive it in fruits of righteousness, then we will never be under grace. We will be deceiving one another and saying that we're under grace, under grace, but we are actually under the guard of the law. Under grace is when a person dies for sin. You're dead to sin, then you're under grace. But how can you be under grace if you are living for sin? You're not able to battle against sin you don't count yourself dead to sin living for God you don't with your words you don't confess the stronghold of life within your body as something that already exists although you don't see it physically how is it that you can be under grace you're under the guard of the law then in scripture the selective love of God is presented The selective love of God, the holy love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word spoken by the apostles and prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of God. We are presented in these qualities, God's character, the character of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. This is the character of all three of them. We are presented with who God is in nature and that we can be perfect because we are born from the seed of the word of truth. We have all of the givens to be this way, but we need to submit ourselves to the word. We need to submit our faith to God's faith so we can grow. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. And so these components, they give us the ability to possess the nature of the Father, to be partaker of His nature, and they open up the doors of the kingdom of heaven in a specific format of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of God within our heart, we have already studied five characteristics and have been studying the sixth. This is the calling to demonstrate the love of God agape within brotherly love. Or to demonstrate this, again, to demonstrate the love of God agape within brotherly love. The presence of this great and noble component in demonstrating our faith moves us from literally moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life and our spirit spirit will sense this but not our flesh our flesh will uh, experience death and we'll will think that something's wrong 
<clears throat> because we're always uh, determining whether God is with us or not based on our feelings. But here we need to... <clears throat> we need Here we need to... Uh, base it on information, not what we feel. I know in whom I have believed, and we know that we have be- have passed from death to life. Not we feel we've passed from death to life, but we know this came in, in the form of information because we love the brethren. This came from the mo- mouth of apostles and prophets. Because we love our brethren, he who does not love his brother abides in death. 1 John 3, 14, 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. <clears throat> Relevant to this, as with the previous components of the virtue of God, in his unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, in seven components, we came to the necessity to study four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love, which is called which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, in the essence of the love of God, which has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. What purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill, which is testimony of the fact that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith, which is testimony of the fact that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us? In a specific format, we already looked at the first three questions and stopped to study question four. By what signs can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, which is testimony of the fact that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us? As the first sign by which we are able to judge that we are demonstrating the power of the love of God agape within brotherly love within our faith has already been the subject of our study in the previous service, we will immediately begin studying sign two. I will remind us of the first and we will go on to the second. First sign that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith can be determined by our ability to judge the cause of the poor and needy upon the foundation of the law of righteousness. The second sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith which is testimony that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us, is the absence of the organ of stumbling within our heart. <clears throat> this is not just a quality. This is an organ of the, uh, of the flesh. This is, a, his, this is the old person. The absence of the organ of stumbling within our heart. We will keep in mind that love to God, which we are called to demonstrate within our faith in the power of brotherly love, consists in our voluntary obedience to the Word of God in all of its formats and in all of its hypostases. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. I hope for your salvation, and I do your com- and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your percepts and your testimonies for all. My ways are able before you. Psalm 119, 165 through 168. 
Considering the fact that no one has ever seen God except for the Son of God, that as the virtue or having the virtue of the Son of Man, he demonstrated the qualities and the character of his Father, as well as his grace that pursued good goals in the service of our justification. <clears throat> we can love God only by loving his creation and by researching his commandments and statutes spoken by the mouth of his delegated uh, ones that are established within our heart in the format of the made covenant of peace with God, God making this with his creation. Because it is by the, wo- the words that come out of the mouth of God that the visible and invisible was made, and specifically by the law of this word is how God keeps the visible and invisible. As it is written, if someone says, I love God, <clears throat> and he hates his brother, and he is then he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love then God whom he has not seen? and this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also 1 John 4 20-21 we've noted more than once that not every person is a creation of God God's creation are actually very few on earth there are many called but few are chosen the called are not God's creation either because Jesus said Uh, to the religious elite of the time, you are of your father the devil because you fulfill his desires, his lusts. You, those that are God's creation are those who fulfill God's desires, not their own, who die for their desires to fulfill God's desires. It is by the demonstration of the love of God agape to our brothers that possess the virtue of our neighbors we receive the ability to demonstrate the power of brotherly love within our faith which is testimony of the fact that the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I will remind us that our brothers who possess the quality of our neighbor who are in the midst of our churches to whom we are called to demonstrate the power of brotherly love in the format of the love of God agape our brothers that can only our brothers can only be those people that possess the status of a stranger the fatherless and widow within our heart and that they have to have in their heart for they are not all Israel who are of Israel nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham Romans 9 6 7 not all are the children of Abraham who are of his physical seed the sign that is being studied by us and one of the phrases of the 119th Psalm of David is the longest chapter in the Bible. It contains 176 verses. However, in the original Hebrew language, the 119th Psalm is written in the form of an acrostic in the order of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and contains 22 verses. It's interesting that each verse has eight lines and each line begins with the same letter. With this, each verse sings about the Word of God using metaphoric words like the law, judgments, commandments, regulations, orders, rulings, ways, and revelations. First, the goal of this greatly artistic poetic song of David consists in us being able to sing and magnify the Word of God that abides within the temple of our body above all of the names of God as all of the names of God are opened up 
and are known within our heart by the word that comes out of the mouth of God, that we are able to hear exclusively coming from the mouth of God's delegated people. Second, the goal of the song is to show the originality or the prime of the word of God, His rule and His crushing power and authority when it comes to all that is visible and invisible. Third, the goal of this song is to demonstrate how we need to treat the word of God that is being preached by God's delegated ones. Fourth, the goal of this song is to show the foretold and not foretold results that come from the right or the wrong treatment of the word. We need to immediately note that in the given psalm it is referring to the greatness of peace, which is called to be the in the heart of a man, a sign of the covenant of peace that is made between us and God that places responsibility upon both sides of the covenant. And if one of the sides violates the agreement of the covenant of peace, and the only side that can violate it is the side of man, then the other side, being God, is then freed from the responsibility of fulfilling his part of the agreement in the covenant of peace. Responsibility in the covenant of peace that a person has bound himself with and in which he needs to continue, and that he has promised to keep from disturbance of the interpretations of his carnal mind, consists in him needing to love God in his living word, that he has delegated to his messengers and made them his lips. And such a love of man for the law of God is called to reveal itself in the collaboration of his faith, the collaboration of his faith with the faith of God, in a voluntary and strict obedience to the law of God spoken by God's messengers. However, to understand the quality of the nature of stumbling, by the absence of which we are able to judge that we love the law of God, with which we are bound with a covenant of eternal peace, and that we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the power of brotherly love, it is necessary for us to also identify the quality of great peace that comes from God, as well as the quality of greatness of the law of God, or more specifically, our love for the law of God, which is called to demonstrate itself in obedience to the law of God that keeps us within the boundaries of the covenant of peace that has made that that has been made between us and God. The scriptures ascribe love for the law of God to the category of good works or the category of the works of God that give God the right foundation to erect His law in the temple of our body in the format of the stronghold of life as well as clothe our body into the power of His great peace that identifies the format of the law of God. Because of the presence of great peace that comes from our love for the great law of God, we will not have a reason to stumble upon the revelations of truth or upon those who carry these revelations to be kept from falling into perdition. The children of God stumble mainly upon revelations. They say, how is it that we, how can we understand that? I don't agree with this. They say, they stumble upon revelations and they stumble upon the messengers of God also who are carriers of those revelations. Love for God that reveals itself in obedience to His law in the power of brotherly love gives God the right foundation to fulfill His part of the given covenant of peace so that the imperishable covenant of peace can be erected in our mortal body in the form of the stronghold of eternal life. Therefore, stumbling that is discovered in man is testimony that the given person does not love God in the words of his laws that establish peaceful relations with God with one another and with all of the world. In Hebrew, the word stumbling 
means grievance or resentment, temptation, defeat, barrier that stands between man and God. This is rejecting your good conscience, a shipwreck in faith, a deadly sore, a snare of the devil, a trap of the devil, and nets of the devil. This is what stumbling is. According to the findings of Scripture, a person is stumbling on the Word of God and the character of God most of the time for the reason that he does not know God and has not gotten to know God in his Word, for the simple reason that his God is actually his intellectual abilities that he trusts upon that he burns incense to as to his God and by the means of which he is trying to interpret the scriptures and differentiate good from evil. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, that is his intellectual abilities, he's a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Proverbs 28, 26, to walk wisely is to trust upon the word that we hear, to trust the word that we hear. not to try to interpret it with our own mind, but trust it. To walk wisely is to follow the footsteps of the flocks who follow the voice of their shepherd and tend their little goats in the format of of your pure mind beside the shepherd's tents so that you not pervert anything in the mind. Tell me, O you whom I love, where you feed your flock. This desire to know where he feeds the flocks so you could be there where he is because he is there, he's the shepherd, and he is tending his flocks, and we need to know where, where you make it rest at noon, for why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions, if you do not know, O fairest among women, follow in the footsteps of the flock, and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents, Songs of Solomon 178. So there he's telling her that you will meet with me and you will find that rest because I am in the shepherd tents. Shepherds that live in tents identifies God's messengers that have died for the elements of the world in, in the form of their nation and became strangers and wanderers on earth living in the tents of the shepherds. If we tend our thoughts, then we are also these wanderers because we are shepherds also of our mind. But in the church, we need to have one shepherd. And this tent is the church itself, where we need to, where we can come into this tent so we can find rest at noon. The tent of a shepherd is a tent of a wanderer or a pilgrim who's searching for green food for his sheep, roaming from one pasture to the next, At the same time, the green pastures upon which the shepherd roams, seeking food for his sheep, are the promises of God. Therefore, to follow in the footsteps of the flock is to follow the voice of the person that is clothed into the authority of the delegated delegated fathership of God that God has placed over us. Without the collaboration of our obedience with the words of this person, we will not be able to inherit any promises that have been placed by God upon our account in Jesus Christ. How do we take from our account the promises? By obeying the word that is spoken by God's messengers. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 To feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents is to obey the revelations of their word and to look at their form of life. 
that is called to be in accordance to the to the form of a wanderer, stranger, and widow upon the earth. If your pastor is not this kind of shepherd, doesn't have these qualities, you need to run from those churches as quickly as you can and ask the Lord that He direct you to a tent of a shepherd so that He show you where the good wife is, for these narrow, where these narrow gates are. There you can <clears throat> be placed into Christ. If we refuse to follow the voice of the person to whom God has trusted the revelations of His Word and choose rather our personal interpretations of what is good and evil, then this means that we are foolish and we do not have love for the law of God. If we did, God would have been able to build a peaceful relationship with us due to which our heart would not have had the organ of stumbling. Your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. God speaking through Jeremiah here. Your ways, your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. Oh, my soul, my soul, I am pained in my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of, of war. Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is plundered. Suddenly my tents are plundered and my, my curtains in a moment. In a moment, how long will I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people are foolish, they have not known me. They are silly children, and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Jeremiah 4, 18 through 22. We can conclude that a person that trusts upon his own in- intelligent abilities when it comes to interpreting scripture is not able to love the law of God and is not able to have the peace of God within his heart. Because of this, such a person stumbles upon his neighbor as well as upon the person who is the head of the church. And this person will fault God for all of this, thinking that if God was loving and just, then he would not have allowed such injustice to occur in his life. Therefore, the organ of stumbling in a person is his personal opinions or his fleshly state where he, instead of judging himself, he judges God and his neighbor. Therefore, this contrary peace upon which a person trusts within his heart because of his personal opinions and for the benefit of which he rejected instruction in the faith as this instruction did not fit his point of view and therefore God became a stumbling block to him and his neighbor became a stumbling block to him. For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the ways of the people saying, do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. What are people afraid of today? The churches. What do you think? Most, uh, mo- more than anything, what do you think? The virus. If you can imagine, they are afraid of the virus. And that's why they stopped having their services. And if they come, they come in great fear to their services and they distance themselves from one another. But you, you may ask, well, we didn't come for a specific time, but we had a sanctification. And we just used that time of, of, of when this all this began. We uh, used that time for sanctification because that was the time that Elijah had when God 
uh, alert him into the wilderness where we needed to meet with God's law to be, to look at the teaching of Jesus Christ, his 12 foundations and prayer with the principles of prayer. What is prayer and how we are to pray? And when we completed that in our solitude, we once again gathered. And this virus is even stronger today, but in our heart there's peace and calm and no fear. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow, let him be your fear and let him be your dread. He is who we need to fear, not viruses, but he, but him. He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble, they shall fall and be broken, be snared and taken. Isaiah 8, 11 through 15. If you pay attention, what will be a stumbling block to them? A rock of offense. Those people that, uh, who, whose God is their fear. Because God is not their fear. They have the fear of death, fear of illnesses, fear of, of hunger, fear of new viruses that are coming out. According to scripture, this, these are just the beginning. They're just flowers. Imagine when there will be even stronger viruses that there will not be a vaccine from and that will destroy people. What will people do then? Some not having God's fear. Jesus walked on water. They say, I will walk and they will drown because God did not command them to walk on the water. He told Peter that if this is you and not the Spirit, allow me to walk on the water to you because they were afraid, they thought they saw a Spirit. And he said, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter said, if it is you, let me walk on the water. And he said, go. And so he said, go. He And that's why Peter walked, because God allowed that. But when he... When, when Peter began to look not upon Jesus and the word that he received from Jesus, but the waves, he began to drown. He immediately went under and began sh- uh, shouting, Lord, save me. And Jesus appeared right next to him at the moment and pulled him out and stu- stood upon as if he was on hard ground. And so when you have the word of God inside, this is such a stronghold. And when you look at it, then this storm that will be where people will uh, say whole uh, saints will be drowning because they're not w- looking at the word of god they're looking at what they feel what's happening in the political world i do watch but not uh, make to make conclusions i don't watch for that reason i just want to see the signs of the times of what's going on to know the signs of the times because they're showing what is going on and that's what i see yes we have approached the end. According to the revelations of Scripture, the initiator of stumbling is God, who allows it to happen in the heart of a person as a form of vengeance because of the absence of love for God's law. In another place it says, if I place a stumbling uh, block and, uh, and a person stumbles and falls, or if the righteous stumbles and you will pray for him, you will save him and yourself. 
And such vengeance in the form of stumbling will be a barrier, a snare, a noose, and a net for this person in his ability to realize salvation that is given to him by God. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it. The elect from the Israelites obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it, as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see, and bow down their back always. Uh, Romans 11, 7 through 10. Apostle Paul writes this. And he took it from from the from Psalms, as we know. Stumbling upon the path of the law of God is a result of the absence of love for the law of God. At the same time, the absence of stumbling upon the path to the law of God is the result of love for the law of God. That reveals itself in the desired fulfillment of God's given law. And due to this fact, without an identification and understanding of the virtue <clears throat> of the law, the law of God, its purpose and its conditions, giving us the right to know the virtue of this law, it is not possible to love the law of God. And consequently, it is not possible to be clothed and abide in the atmosphere of the great and perfect peace of God. This is because love for the law of God is not an emotional attraction and not a particular dependence upon your feelings, but this is a discipline of the renewed mind and the will of man that is placed in dependence from his wise heart where the two great witnesses are that stand before God of all the earth in the form of the Thummim and the Urim, the teaching of Jesus Christ, Thummim, and the Holy Spirit, the Urim. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, whom the, wor the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, 15-17. Here he was talking about the Holy Spirit that I will pray the Father if you will fulfill my commandments then the Holy Spirit will become a comforter to you why is it when something happens a person loses peace speaking in tongues but not having peace because you you pray in tongues but the Holy Spirit isn't present if the Holy Spirit lived in your heart then you would have comfort uh, during great sor times of sorrow uh, that Nothing would be able to uh, silence or not mockery against you, not uh, persecution against you. Nothing can break this peace, and this peace is the Holy Spirit in the heart of a person whom we can receive when we begin to follow God's commandments. And so following God's commandments, we at this time will not sense uh, something pleasant may be inside. It, it's the opposite. You sometimes are... Uh, feeling you're, you're sometimes you you feel like you're standing upon your own neck, it, because the and you silence the song of the flesh because this is the song of desires and lusts. This is uh, uh, lusts and desires. They want food, and those who feed it, the flesh becomes strong, which is why many who look at pornography become weak spiritually, and God abandons them because they feed this lust. The lust becomes stronger and more aggressive. And I know 
some people who actually die in that lust and they can't be free of it. Why? Because they don't follow God's commandment. When it says don't look, don't watch, don't walk, uh, don't have communication with these kinds of people because corrupt company dis- uh, will destroy your uh, good habits. Uh, to follow the commandments that identify the law of God are the given law of God, Mean and they mean to des- desire to know the commandments with your heart, to quench the hunger and thirst of the heart with the commandments, to fulfill the commandments, to keep the commandments within your heart, to be within the commandments, to meditate about the commandments, to look at the commandments, not go out of the boundaries of the commandments, not peddle with and not belittle the commandments, to be vigilant on guard of the commandments, not bring in idols within the boundaries of the commandments, be delivered from the chaff of the flesh by the commandments, be delivered from... Uh, and to treasure the commandments as an imperishable treasure. I'll remind us that ignorance in knowing the law of God is incriminated in Scripture as resistance to God's law, and love for the law of God, identified as abiding in the law by obeying this law, serves as a guarantee for us that we are within the boundaries of the great peace of God and a guarantee that we will be raptured and will meet the Lord upon the clouds. As we talked about about these heavenly clouds. He says when, that when this happens, and you will be forever with the Lord. If you can imagine, the, the church uh, of the first sheath, they have already put on their new bodies, and with Christ they left. <clears throat> imagine if he would not have fulfilled his word. He, he would have, uh, for example, left them and just came by himself to just get us but he can't violate his word. He says, when you come to me and I take you to myself, then you will always be with me, forever be with me. <coughs> and so <coughs> the Holy Spirit revealed that the the meeting with uh, upon the clouds won't just be with Jesus, but also with this first, first sheath. Um, <coughs> If you remember, on the second day of the Passover, uh, the first uh, sheath would be brought to the Lord. And so, if you remember that when Jesus resurrected, many uh, saints also resurrected with him. And so, this is David, Abraham, uh, those that people stumble upon also, those prophets of the Old Testament, uh, all those godly kings that walked, uh, Jewish kings that walked, we will meet with Adam because God did bring him into such a condition. Uh, we'll meet with all uh, all these people, the patriarchs that came from Abraham, uh, with Enoch from Adam, uh, uh, and also Enoch, with those who died here, but those who died here with us, who have not yet uh who have not yet received what was promised, those we will not meet on the clouds. We will meet them here because they will resurrect and then we together with them will be raptured uh, to, the ch- to the church of the first. Uh, and so in uh, we'll get to the clouds and at the level of clouds we'll disappear. It'll be like a, a different dimension. We'll immediately end up in heaven. I just want to show I know it's hard to sometimes comprehend with the mind, but I am easily being able to to, to do that. 
And now little children abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. 1 John 2, 28, 29. And this is not all. Love for the law of God that clothes us into the great and perfect peace of God is also a guarantee that we will have an absence of all nature of stumbling, being a barrier to us in achieving our salvation. Every law that in this and in this situation, the law of God identifies the moral virtue of its lawgiver, pursuing a goal with the law that is linked to keeping a specific order that is within the boundaries of His Word, where He rules for which, where He rules and for which He carries responsibility for before Himself. Therefore, the boundaries that the Lord governs in and that He carries responsibility for before Himself is the word that comes out of His mouth, with which He has created the visible and invisible and with which He keeps the visible and invisible. And to demonstrate governance of His law in the temple of our body, it is necessary to ratify this law by the chosen by Him nation, making a covenant with him upon with them upon Sinai and such a ratification as we know took place upon Mount Gerizim and Ebal when Israel by the command of God through Moses proclaimed from heights of those mountains the words of curse and the words of blessing confirming each blessing and each curse with the word amen the teaching of blessing and curse contains the character of the teaching of Christ that is reflected in the selectiveness of the love of God, where he loves the vessels of mercy and hates the vessels of wrath. With this, we need to keep in mind that it isn't God, but people themselves that have made themselves either vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. The vessels of mercy are people that have loved his law. The vessels of of curses or wrath are people that have hated his law and have resisted his law. And such resistance for the law of God expresses itself in that these people declare his statutes and take God's covenant in their mouth, but themselves hate his instruction that is preached by God's messengers and cast the words of his law behind them. Why do they hate? Because they interpret with their mind and they say, well, this is not how we understand it. One pastor came up to me, I was preaching in his church once, I read a place that drunkards and others will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so drunkards and fornicators are in one list. And so if you uh, do the one or the other, you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he, and people came up to him and said, well, we caught this pastor, I, I, he was speaking heresies, and the, their pastor asked, well, which one? He said that fornicators and drunkards do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. We caught him in, a, in speaking heresies. But the pastor said, yes, but he read this from the Bible. He wasn't interpreting anything. It was literally written that way in the Bible, and he read it. And that pastor uh told me that this brother's like, well, we don't understand it that way. And so he and so he told this brother, well, what's the difference of how I or you understand it? This pastor also drinks wine. Um, and so he, he told and so he told him, uh, remember that we are the ones that are speaking heresy then, and not just uh, 
not him. He's not speaking that we are. And But even I am not a heretic because I acknowledge that what I do is wrong. But you, you are speaking her, her, heresies because you say uh, that it's uh, okay to do when it's not. So this pastor was laughing and telling me these things. But this uh, gentleman that was talking to this pastor, he was a, a servant in that church. He, he has some kind of position where he serves. And so he and that pastor allow themselves to drink and they don't consider this to be sin. And so ask yourselves, where will this church end up? It is not I who said this. I didn't interpret that. Uh, it says drunkards, fornicators, and others, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Is Does this need to be interpreted? Uh, proverbs and parables are to be interpreted. Uh, allegories, other events, incidences, events. But here it says it directly. And so for the benefit of their flesh, they say, well, this is not how we understand that. And so it's not important how you understand it. It's what's written. But the wicked God says, but to the wicked God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? Saying you hate instruction and cast my words behind you. When you saw a thief, you consented with him and have been a partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Psalm fifty sixteen through 21. To, to cast the words of the Lord behind you is to pervert the preached word be, uh, to benefit your whims and your desires. People who love the law of God say of themselves, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will, And they ask the question, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. They ask God, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within the house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. I will not look at pornography. I shall not cling to, it shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, how him I will destroy. I won't communicate with them anymore, in other words. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. I will not have fellowship with them, communicate with them. Psalm 101, 2 through 5. Therefore, so that the law of God and the foreman of the teaching of Christ be ratified in your, in your good heart, it is necessary to make a covenant with God where we are called to confess with our mouth the teaching of Christ as the faith of our heart. Therefore, first, Let's look at the law of God and what it is. The law of God first is a unique program of God where God conceals and keeps the inherent to Him qualities and virtues. And this program can be put into a programmable system, which is the good heart, a heart that is cleansed from dead works. And so there you could put that program. An infant that is uh, stumbling with, uh, attracted by various winds of doctrine, he doesn't understand how to differentiate good and evil. This unique program of God cannot be put there. It won't find place there. Although this person reads the word of God, proclaims it, he has no place for the Lord. He has 
holes for foxes and nests for birds. He listens to the one and the other and the other and the fourth one. And so when this person will finally leave his nation, the house of his father, and his destructive way, way of life, <clears throat> by the cross of the Lord Jesus, he'll die and will rise again in a new form. Then he will, his heart will become a programmable system for the Lord for God's law. <clears throat> Second, the law of God is the order of God's theocracy, which reveals itself within the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven. And that is all inside of a person, too, for the kingdom of God is within you. And as we are the temple of God altogether, then the order of the kingdom of heaven needs to be in the church itself. Not the order of democracy, but the order of God's theocracy. Third, the law of God is a guard of God which stands to defend the holiness of God, the boundaries of which are the format, format of the commandments of the Lord. Fourth, the law of God are the good goals of God which contain the great destinies that are prepared by God for those who love His law as well as the vengeance of God upon those who hate His law. God's law God's goals are in His promises, and these promises contain the great destinies that are prepared by God for His children. Good destinies of God for men that love the law of God are called to be kept in a unique programmable system of God, which is the heart of men that love His law. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. Proverbs 29.26 Good destinies prepared by God for man is the imperishable inheritance that is kept by God in three realms, in heaven, in the temple which is the chosen by God remnant, and the wise heart. This inheritance is ready to be revealed in the last time by faith to those that are kept for salvation. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 6, or 1, 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so, when can we come to the living hope? When we, by the cross of the Lord Jesus, die by the law for the law. We die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our corrupt way of life. And so then, we can are presented, we, 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 are, we can approach this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us. Because these three, again, uh, the heavens, the church, and our heart, these are three that are united and separate at the same time. And so whatever's in one is in the other who are kept by power, by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. And so we know what perseverance is, and we with perseverance are waiting for it to be fulfilled, His words to be fulfilled. And with every day, our hope becomes stronger, stronger. Although with every day, Something destructive may be happening in our life when it, when, it, when it comes to the flesh, in the visible, but in the invisible, we become stronger, that through this strength, 
God will absolutely restore the visible also. Just as Abraham, the more he aged, the stronger his hope upon God was, the stronger it was. Why? Because he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the promises, to the reward. And so why do people lose peace? Because they're not looking at the reward, at the at the promises. Just as Moses or other prophets, they all looked to the reward. And so a wise heart of the chosen by God person as a programmable system of God is the most holy of God, God's belonging, the temple of God, the kingdom of God, and the house of God, where the law of God lives and where God finds his rest. Christ finds his rest there. He has where to lay his head. When a revelation comes into our heart, this revelation is seeking peace so that the revelation be fulfilled and received it needs to find its rest and how do we how do we provide god rest when we hunger for his revelations and we re- accept it with the readiness to fulfill it to fulfill it is to look upon him and to proclaim the not existent as existent proclaim it tell one another about it uh, meditate about this with each other the law of God as a unique and sacral program of God within the heart of man demonstrates itself in the following law-giving institutions of God as in the commandments of God, in the statutes of God, in the rulings of God, in the regulations of God, the revelations of God, the legality of God, the holiness and truthfulness of God, in the righteous judgments of God, in the rights and curses of God, in the covenants of God with man. According to these strict requirements and such honorable regard to the commandments of God, which are the given commandments, commandments of God, which is the given law of God, I will remind us of a few signs by which we can examine and determine our love for the law of God by having an absence of stumbling within our heart, as it is written. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Psalm 119.165 The sign by which we need to judge that we have an absence of the organ of stumbling is us entering into our portion, which consists of keeping the law of God. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your word. Psalm 119.57 To enter this uh, portion to make the commandment your inheritance. The biblical portion is an, an is an inheritance demonstrated in taking over the promised by God plot of land that is passed on by a father to a child, according to the discussion by him, uh, discussed by him will or testament. In the given place, such a portion and such an inheritance is the legitimate power to the right to follow the law of God, which is a program of God containing the bond of all of the promises of God, identifying eternal redemption. Considering that a programmable system of God can be that person who, by the means of the preached word of truth, has been born from the seed of the word of truth. We conclude that the spirit of a born-from-God person that has grown in full measure of growth in Christ is called to become a programmable system of God that can be a carrier and demonstrator of the program of eternal redemption. Therefore, not having a legitimate right that is presented in the format of a discussion 
or a discussed testament giving the power to the right to keep the law of God so that you can demonstrate love for the law of God, this is not possible with human efforts. The phrase, keep your words, means I will fulfill the law of God, I will bear uh, bear fruit to God, I will clothe myself into into the law of God, which is clothing our mortal body into the redemption of Christ, that is into our new person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. I will bring forth subsequent steps that, when fulfilled, will allow us to enter into our lot or our portion or into our calling that can, we can keep, so that we can keep the word of God identified as the law of God. And when we do this, we will not have the ability to stumble. If we will love His law, we will not have a stumbling block before us, and we will then become God's programmable system which will involve our spirit, our soul, and also our mortal body that is clothed into the new person. First step, to have the legitimate power, giving you the right to keep the law of God so you can be clothed into the redemption of God that is into your new person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus is the power of the testament that is passed down to the beneficiary. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Hebrews 9, 16, 17. The power of a testament that is discussed by the testator and is passed on to the beneficiary that allows him to keep the law of God when, it's, when it is passed on, this uh, inheritance this uh, that's in this testament allows this uh, person to keep the law of God so that he can be clothed into the new person that is power of a mutual covenant that is made between the testator and the bene- beneficiary and so this is the one whom he made a covenant with whom he is bound himself to the covenant of God with man is presented in the symbol of the circumcision of the foreskin that symbolizes the truth of the circumcision and the circumcision of the heart, making a person a partaker of the body of Christ. To be a partaker of the body of Christ is to be led into the entrails of Christ. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And and God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant and your descendants after you throughout your generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you, he shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generation, he who is born in your house, Genesis uh, 17, 7 through 14. The goal that God pursued in the given covenant is to give Abraham and his descendants the entire land of Canaan as an inheritance, symbolizing all of the promises of God, identified as the imperishable inheritance for the bride of the Lamb. The covenant itself is a contract or an agreement between two sides where each of the sides is responsible to fulfill their role, violating this given covenant by one of the sides, discredits the covenant, and it loses its power. The role of Abraham and his descendants in the given covenant consisted in circumcising their foreskin, which symbolized the need 
to circumcise the heart. The role of God in the given covenant consisted in this, that if Abraham and his descendants circumcise their heart, God takes upon himself the responsibility to lead Abraham and his descendants into the into their inheritance, the land of Canaan, symbolizing the imperishable inheritance that is prepared by God for the chosen by him nation. That's the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. The inheritance is in the body to receive this uh, incorrupt body. The land of Canaan is the body. This is to receive your body as an inheritance because it is in the control, within the control of the law, under the guard of the law, as in our body the old man lives and we are not able to be under the guard of grace, under the law of grace. But when we receive by faith, then God accounts this to us and we begin to govern in and the grace of God begins to govern, although it hasn't been yet done visibly, God sees this as it's already happened. And so when the time is is uh, appointed, he will make it happen physically. But you need to count need to count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim the not existent incorruption of your body as existent. The selection of the nation was to be determined by the circumcision of their heart, which gave them the right to the power to enter or to be clothed into the imperishable inheritance of Christ and God. We need to note that in the given situation, the circumcision of the foreskin was not the covenant itself, but a sign of the covenant. The sign of the covenant consisting of circumcision of the foreskin is actually not a covenant, but a sign sign and indication of the presence of the covenant, which is a circumcised heart. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. Deuteronomy 10, 16 through 20. And see, uh, this is in Deuteronomy. This is to the priests and the nation. This is not talking about the circumcision of the for, of the flesh, here it's talking about the circumcision of the heart, directly saying that. According to the written word, we need to keep in mind that if the priests that come close to God will trust upon the sign of the covenant, which is the circumcision of the foreskin, but at the same time will not circumcise their heart so, so that they can make a covenant with God, their hearts will remain hard. Due to which every time they get close, because it says, be uh, stiff neck no longer, it says, due to which if their heart will remain hard, due to which every time they get close to God, they will be rejected by God and, de- and destroyed by God as the two sons of Aaron because they had a hard heart. They did not circumcise their heart. They uh, trusted upon the sign upon, uh, on their body because an uncircumcised heart is testimony that the heart of a man remains hard. The hardness of a heart is testimony that a person is resisting the law of God, does not love the law of God, and furthermore is not able to possess the great peace of God, which is a quality of God and atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven inside of a person. 
which is why the category that is circumcised in heart will become a stumbling block for the category that has an uncircumcised heart. That category <clears throat> that has a circumcised heart will become that stumbling block for the category of the uncircumcised in heart upon their path to the realization of the great peace of God, which is the Sabbath of the Lord called to calm and comfort the chosen by God. <clears throat> It is the same for if you're being baptized in water with an uncircumcised heart. This is testimony that this person is not able to love the law of God, but can only use the given by God guarantee of salvation for his own personal greedy goals. Looking at the given implemented law, we conclude that a person with a circumcised heart loves the fatherless widow and stranger because God administers justice to the fatherless widow and stranger. Therefore, love for the law of God demonstrated in love for the fatherless, the widow, and the stranger will be confirmation of the fact that this person fears God as his lawgiver, serves God, clings to God, and makes oaths by the name of God. The symbols of the law, the category of the fatherless, the widow, and the strangers were the heirs of future good things that belong to the body of Christ symbolizing the bride of the Lamb. I shall remind us uh, the status of being fatherless, our heart needs to have the status of being fatherless, is testimony that the given person died for his house by the cross of the Lord Jesus. He died for his house or the house of his father. And of Levi, he said, let your thumbim and your urn be with your holy one whom you tested at Mass and whom, with whom you contended at, contended at the waters of Meribah. <clears throat> who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers <clears throat> or know his own children, for they have observed their word and kept your covenant. Deuteronomy 33, 8-9. This is <clears throat> to be fatherless. The status of a widow is testimony that the given person died for their old nature, that by the means of sin, which are corrupt and greedy desires of a person, ruled over this person in the status of their husband. <clears throat> Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is, bu- is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if, if her husband dies, she is free. So you can't have fellowship with Christ while the old man lives. And if, fe- if uh, fellowship is happening, then this is called adultery and so if the husband dies she is freed from the law and will not be an adulteress but will marry another husband but if her husband dies she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress therefore my brethren you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another to him who was raised from the dead that he should bear fruit to God Romans 7 2 through 4 We can bear fruit to God when we die for our old person. The state of a stranger is testimony that a person died for his nation, that in its culture is being governed by the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 1 John 2, 15, 16. Only after fulfilling the given command, that is, to circumcise your heart, that will then possess the state of one 
that is fatherless widow and stranger, we will receive the legitimate power and right to be clothed into our new person. Second step, to have the legitimate power giving you the right to keep the law of God so you can be clothed into the redemption of God, that is into your new person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus, is our becoming a perfect man, which happens in the full measure of growth in Christ. Galatians 4, 1, 2. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardian and stewards until the time appointed by his father. And we know that such a caregiver is the law of Moses. It was what brought us to Christ. I shall say that uh, an heir is... Uh, he is still an infant and and so when the time comes to come out of spiritual infancy a person that's attracted by various winds of doctrine a person doesn't uh, refuses to come out from it then this person is converted into a different state he becomes a carnal person and a carnal person no longer uh, chases various uh, teachers he has his own head he's idolized his own mind and he's the one that starts to say, well, this is, I don't agree with this. This is not what I think. One priest told me, it's not written that the uh, drunkards don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. And there was a group of students. I pulled out a small, uh, the book of the gospel at the time. I, and I, um, uh, I took it out, this gospel, the book of the gospel, and, and I I will find you, find where it is written. He took it out of his hands. Uh, he, 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 cro- he crossed it and uh, gave it back to me. And he then said, uh, well, actually it is in the Bible, and I am an alcoholic, and because of these I became an alcoholic, and I know if I don't stop, I won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he told him, if you you think that if I'm doing the cross uh, signal over you that you will inherit the kingdom of heaven, that is not accurate. And so he said that I had finished specific uh, courses, and I see that by how you teach, you also have probably completed seminars, and I want you to come and preach in my church. It was a very interesting dialogue with this individual. Uh, This priest ended up being a little more wise. He didn't say, well, we don't understand it this way. He just said when he saw the gospel and when he saw his own icon even, I I didn't think that this would be what would trigger him to admit. Uh, I, as a young person, I put this... uh, image uh, of a cross on the uh, 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 on the on the Bible and so the perfect man or of mature age is the ability to graft yourself for the edifying of yourself in love when having fellowship with the saints grafting yourself to the body of Christ who is the bride of the lamb so that you can build yourself into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood this ability is obtained by leaving spiritual infancy and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the keeping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ 
Till, and these are the people that are to lead, uh, bring us to perfection till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When we stop saying, uh, well, I have my own Bible, my own head, I don't understand it this way. When we see uh, when, and we say we all are uh, taking this from the one apostle that has been placed. This is uh, for the keeping of the saints, for the work and ministry, for the edifying of the body in Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to a measure of, of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share cause, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Ephesians 4:11 through 16. Third step to have the legitimate power giving you the right to keep the law of God is to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of your life into your heart. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, that is my Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Galatians 4, 6, 7. Understandably, the Holy Spirit is able to give revelations into the heart of a man upon the condition that a person has bound himself to the Holy Spirit upon the condition of the made-with-God covenant, so that he is led by the Holy Spirit within the boundaries of this covenant. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8, 14 uh, through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but uh, either the vaccine or hunger, uh, political... uh, problems, whatever it may be, but you've received the spirit of bondage again, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together, Romans 8, 14 through 17, fourth step to have the legitimate power giving you the right to keep the law of God so you can be clothed into the redemption of God is to ca- uh, chase out the bond servant and her son from from receiving from uh, from the received by us inheritance so to chase out the bond servant and her son from the received by us inheritance Galatians 4 28 through, through 31 now he now we brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise, but as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondservant and her son, for the son of the bondservant shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondservant, but of the free. The symbol of the bondservant within a person of God representing, representing a concubine is the soul that has not been lost in the Lord Jesus. The symbol of the son of the bondservant is a symbol of the fruit that has been obtained from the collaboration of the power and ability of the soul that has not been lost in the death of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Let's bend our knees or our heads and we will ask everyone that anyone who wants to confront their old person and those chains of lusts and passions that may have bound you, uh, 
possibly the fear of death, other fears, other forms of fear. We will pray for you so that the Lord deliver you from this because this is the service of justification. This is the service where God breaks the shackles of sin, shackles of corruption, and may God's mercy be with you. Amen. Let us pray. We wait for you. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God loves you so much that right now He is ready to destroy these shackles of sin and it's, if that's not enough He does not condemn you for those sins because He condemned His Son for your sins and with this He's showing His love that He's ready to justify you, to wash you and to make you worthy of Himself close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to God this is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you with my fear with my pain I open up my heart you see its wounds you see all of my fears my inability to be confident, my lusts, my passions that I hate, I ask you, forgive me, wash me, deliver me from the dependence of these lusts. I accept your freedom, your words, your truth, your Holy Spirit right now into my heart and right now before heaven and hell 
I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May you stand upon the neck of your enemy and may the Lord show His glory for you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains, everlasting hills beyond you. May it be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say, Amen. And so again and again I want to remind us that it's not important what you're feeling. You need to know that God is loyal to His words. He's truthful. And what you heard right now means you are freed from sin. You are no longer slaves of sin. Although the devil will deceive you. You know, when the Russian king announced uh, that slavery was over, but slavery continued for many years. The reason was because his word was not being passed on to those who were slaves. And so those owners who continued to keep them as slaves, but as soon as slaves found out that the king freed the people, they stopped listening and the the masters were not able to do anything. And so the royal news has been sent. You are freed from sin because God delivered you on the cross. You'll say, well, how how is that possible? Count yourself dead to sin, living for God. Proclaim with your mouth that you are free. And thank God you fell, rise again. Righteous will fall seven times, will rise again. You're righteous, you received righteousness. And although you're in this battle and you're falling, you won't lose your righteousness. That's the thing. The righteous will fall seven times, will rise again. The unclean or wicked will fall and not rise again. So let us now finish our service with our wonderful manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.